0: A reading from Matthew chapter 21, the parable of the wicked tenants. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parable, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet.
1: So what should the owner of the vineyard do? I mean, you heard the story. A landowner decides to plant a brand new vineyard, which is expensive, but he does it right. He puts a fence around it. He builds a watchtower. He installs a wine press in the middle. This is a big investment. And then he leased it out to some tenants. But when it came time to collect the tenants, killed the servants that he sent, and then killed some more. And when he eventually sent his own son, they killed him too. And so Jesus asks, what should the owner of the vineyard do? Now, if you're keeping score at home, this is the third week in a row that we hear Jesus tell a story about a vineyard. And just like the parable that we heard last week When Jesus told this story, it made the religious leaders full of rage. It just infuriated them. They've been fighting and arguing with Jesus ever since he came into the city of Jerusalem, and it's no wonder why. Jesus has been criticizing and challenging them constantly. Take take this morning's parable. It sounds a lot like a well-known reading from the book of Isaiah. Hundreds of years before Jesus ever arrived, Isaiah said the Israelites were like a vineyard that God had planted with love and care. God had given them everything, Isaiah said, but instead of producing good grapes, they produced bad fruit. Instead of being a just and righteous nation, the Israelites were oppressing the poor and exploiting the weak and worshiping idols and and committing all sorts of evil. Everyone listening to Jesus speak would have known that passage from Isaiah. And so they would have noticed that Jesus changed one important detail. See, in Isaiah... It's the vineyard's fault that it produces bad fruit. But in the parable Jesus told this morning, it's the tenants in charge of the vineyard who are wicked. And that matters. It matters because this isn't just a parable. It's also an allegory where every character is meant to represent something or someone. And those wicked tenants the ones put in charge of this valuable vineyard, the ones granted power to act on the landowner's behalf, the ones who were given authority, well, they're meant to represent the Jewish religious leaders. The religious leaders who had been put in charge of God's people, but who sometimes forgot that their first duty was to serve God's people who were supposed to help people connect with God, but who instead burdened people with countless commands and rules and demands and requirements. The religious leaders who were sometimes in the position of discovering they cared more about money than preserving their own power, even even when it came at a cost to others, who were supposed to teach people how to be righteous and just, but who presided over systems of injustice that oppressed the poor and consumed the widows. They had forgotten that they too were tenants, that they didn't own God, and their job was to shine God's light, not to hoard it or keep it for themselves. When Jesus told this parable, he was calling the religious leaders out. And they knew it. It's important to recognize that Jesus is criticizing the religious leaders and not the Jewish people as a whole. In the past, this passage has been used for anti-Semitic purposes with people claiming that here Jesus is rejecting and condemning and abandoning the Jewish people. But that, that's not what's going on. God made promises to the Israelites. And God never, ever goes back on a promise. No, Jesus is talking here specifically to religious leaders that he's trying to hold accountable. And before we point too many fingers, let's be honest. The issues that Jesus had with these religious leaders have been and still are present in our own faith tradition as well. In God's eyes, positions of leadership and authority always come with responsibility. Whether a political leader, a religious leader, a business leader, a parent, whether someone who teaches children at school or supervises adults at work or coaches players on a field, whenever any authority is given, leaders have a responsibility first and foremost to care for their people, to watch over and serve and do what is best for their people. This parable, yes, it is an indictment of religious leaders, but there are plenty of other leaders who still see leadership and authority as an opportunity to to take advantage of others, to use others, to get ahead at the expense of others, to benefit from unjust systems, to stack the deck in their favor. Leaders who, who turned a blind eye to people who are in need, who care more about holding on to their power instead of raising their voice or acting to do what's right. This parable reminds us that faithful leadership always involves caring for the people you lead with love and with compassion. I think this is part of the reason so many of us are frustrated with politics. We have a sense that some of our elected officials are not serving us. That caring for the people who gave them authority is not on the top of their list. That our whole political system has become less and less about responsibility to the people. And as we exercise our right to vote this fall, we should hold this parable in mind. We should ask which leaders will best serve and care for our nation. Which candidates will put the well-being of the people they represent before their own. That's what this parable calls for. And it certainly shapes the way I think about myself as as your pastor. I'm privileged to serve in this role. And though I fall short often, I know it comes with the responsibility to care for the people of our community with compassion and with love. I know that that's more important than administrative work or committee meetings or all the other things that I'm asked to do. Recently, somebody in our church needed some help, but they were hesitant and reluctant to reach out. And when I asked them why, they said it's because they know how busy I am. I hope you know that I am never, ever too busy to talk with you to listen to you, to meet with you, to pray with you, to be there, to help you bear your burdens. I love you. And that's why I'm always telling you about Jesus. Because I know of no better way to care for you and to support you than to connect you with Jesus in whom we find love and meaning and purpose and new life. In Jesus, we find grace. But the religious leaders, they didn't understand grace. When Jesus told this parable, he asked them, what should the landowner do? And this is what they said. They said he should put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants. That's what they knew. Responding to violence with violence. Anger with anger. that's all some leaders are capable of. What should the landowner do, Jesus asks. Make those wretches die a miserable death, they said. But listen, if, if God is supposed to represent the landowner in this parable, then we have to ask, is that really what we think God is like? Is God like an an angry, violent landlord who just kills anyone who disobeys? Is God just full of wrath and vengeance waiting to punish? Is that how you think of God? Please notice that Jesus did not say to the religious leaders, hey, you're right, great answer, guys. No, this conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders This entire chapter of the Bible, all of these parables that confront the religious leaders are all intended to show them how wrong they were, how much God was calling them to repent and change, how little they understood God's character and God's ways. What should the landowner do, Jesus asks. Make those wretches die a miserable death, they respond. And yet, and yet, I tell you, that that is not how God responds to our brokenness and sin, our wrongdoings and evil and the injustice we perpetuate. This is not a parable about wicked tenants. It's a parable about a merciful landlord. The answer to Jesus' question is not, put those wretches to a miserable death. The character of God is justice, mercy, and grace. The landowner knew what was likely to happen but he still sent his son. That's who God is. That's what God does. God has sent so many prophets into this world to show us how to live and follow God faithfully, and most of the time, humanity has treated them just like the tenants did. Until finally God sent his son, Jesus, to show love, and grace, and mercy, and forgiveness, even to those who killed him. What will the landowner do, Jesus asks. Our landowner took the mockery, took the abuse, the violence, took the cross, took our murder and rejection of God, and turned it into something amazing. What will the landowner do? He will resurrect his son three days later, and through that death and resurrection, offer us forgiveness and grace. And over time, that grace can change even the most hard-hearted of us tenants, transforming our hearts until they beat and live and long for mercy and love. What will the landowner do? He will be gracious and merciful because that that is who God is. The things that made Jesus angry in this parable are still part of our world. The injustices that Isaiah was crying out against hundreds of years before Jesus came, they're still all around us. Immigrants and foreigners are still treated poorly and vilified. And while I don't know how to comprehensively reform our entire immigration policy, I do know that God's prophets have commanded us over and over to welcome the immigrant, the foreigner, the stranger, and so we must struggle to do so. There are poor and hungry people among us, and the gulf between rich and poor is growing. And and I don't fully know how to fix that, but I do know that God's prophets have commanded us over and over to create a society where there are no more poor and needy and homeless, and in the meantime to care for them with all that we've got, and so we must struggle to do so. People are still treated differently because of the color of their skin, both by individuals and by systems. And just this week we were horrified to see the president's unwillingness to condemn the evil sin that is white supremacy. And I don't know how to fix all the racial disparities and injustice in our nation, but I know that God's prophets over and over have commanded us to see that all people are made in the image of God with inherent dignity and worth, and so we must struggle to do so. Because our landowner continues to entrust us with the vineyard. God's given us the responsibility to share Christ's love with this world and to build God's kingdom. God's calling us to act with righteousness and to bring justice, to show the world another way, a way not of violence but of radical love and true peace and grace. God is, is calling us calling us to care for this world, to care for our neighbors, to care for one another, to be good stewards, to be good leaders, to be good tenants. We already know what the landowner will do. The real question is, what will we do? Amen.